A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I am glad you're with us on the program today. Uh, you know, I-, I could spend I could spend hours just talking about what is going on in uh, Ukraine, the uh, response of the population there in uh, Ukraine, not only the members of the military, but the everyday citizens uh, who seen their country under attack have responded in, in many cases by picking up arms themselves. But, you know, look, we've seen some some pretty extraordinary instances of unarmed citizens uh, doing what they can to try to stop that invasion, whether it is a uh, the occupants of a, uh, a Ukrainian village uh, turning out at a crossroads to try to prevent a tank from uh, moving forward. That's pretty brave when you are unarmed and you're standing in front of a tank. And yet we've seen that. But we've also seen uh, Ukrainians, you know, making Molotov cocktails, uh, getting a hold of uh, AK-47s and other uh, uh, semi-automatic firearms that they can, again, not only protect themselves, protect their families, but protect their nation as well. And uh, while, yes, it is true that an AK is not much use against a, uh, a thermobaric a missile or a, a thermobaric bomb, uh, we are seeing the courage and, and the extraordinary bravery and the will to fight uh, on the part of the Ukrainian people, I think, have an impact in terms of the response from the rest of the world. And I, I don't think that the response from the rest of the world would be uh, what we have seen were it not for that fighting spirit. Uh, of these armed citizens in Ukraine. So we're going to continue to uh, follow what is going on there. It is tough, you know, given the delays in recording this and uploading it to uh, to, to make sure that, you know, we've got information uh, as it's happening uh, on a program like this. But we are going to continue talking about what is going on because I do think that what we have seen, the response from, again, average Ukrainians, some of whom have never held a gun before in their lives uh, until the last few days, I think what we are seeing here uh, is a remarkable demonstration of the fact that the the right to keep and bear arms is necessary. It is needed in this day and age, despite what uh, gun control advocates might say, that it's a dead letter or it's an, an anachronism. It doesn't matter. Oh, it's just old and outdated. No, it's not. And uh, there are tens of millions of Americans who are not interested in giving up our right to keep and bear arms. Not because we're particularly worried about the idea of a foreign invasion uh, happening uh, here in the United States next week or next month, because we don't know what the future might hold. And we do know that our right to keep and bear arms, both for our personal security, matters uh, in a time in which uh, violent crime is rising around the country. But we know that the security of a free state definitely still depends on the right of the people to keep and bear arms, because we're watching that play out uh, in Ukraine, both in terms of uh, trying to stop uh, the uh, Russian invasion and uh, if and when the uh, Russian ground forces take control of the country. I think you're going to see that uh, those armed citizens shift uh, to a resistance force. And we're going to be talking more about that in the uh, coming days as well. Uh, On today's program, however, we're actually going to be spending most of our time talking about what's going on in Alabama, where constitutional carry has cleared the statehouse 
uh, could be taken up by the state Senate as early as this week. And one of the arguments that opponents of constitutional carry are making right now is that this amounts to a defund the police measure. That's right. Uh, AL.com reports in the last two weeks, the phrase defund the police has surfaced in the debate over the fate of permitless carry legislation. The Alabama Senate will take up the measure soon. Legislation that would do away with legal penalties for carrying concealed firearms without a permit was adopted by the Alabama House last week on a 65-37 vote. The debate over the issue is mostly centered around public safety, AL.com reports. Sheriffs have long contended that the permits provide them with a tool to screen people who should not possess a gun. But a financial hit to the agencies also looms over the debate, even if it's taken a backseat to the safety concerns expressed by sheriffs by doing away with Alabama's provision requiring gun owners to purchase a permit if they conceal a handgun or carry a gun in their vehicle. Alabama is an otherwise open carry state. Uh, One of the uh, folks trying to uh, make this argument uh, is the executive director of the Alabama Democratic Party. Yeah, a guy named Wade Perry, who says, I do find it ironic that the Republicans ram through a bill that literally defunds the police. The law enforcement officers, by and large, are opposed to it. This bill makes it tougher on them financially. It has a public safety impact and impacts their safety to do an already tough job. Well, again, let, let, let's 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 talk about this for a second. Um, is this a defund the police measure? So under Alabama law, county sheriffs, which are the issuing agencies, uh, get to keep some of the fees that are derived from a concealed carry application. Uh, And in some cases, for these departments, it can add up to hundreds of thousands of dollars every year, money that could theoretically go away if residents stop buying concealed carry licenses because they no longer need a license to carry in their home state of Alabama. Uh, Could there be a funding hit, in other words? Yeah, possibly. Uh, And maybe even probably. But does that amount to a defund the police measure? No. Because the purpose of these concealed carry licenses is not to fund the police. At least it's not supposed to be about funding the police. It's supposed to be about ensuring that Alabamans can exercise their right to bear arms in self-defense. And frankly, you shouldn't have to pay a fee to be able to do that. So what's going to happen if, for instance, these uh, carry licenses, let, 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 let's say constitutional carry becomes the law of the land, and let's say that in a particular county, uh, you know, uh, let, let's say half the current concealed carry holders don't apply uh, to renew their permits. Well, what's going to happen? According to the Alabama Sheriff's Association, uh, county commissions throughout Alabama will have to dip into general funds and play, pay for equipment purchases and vehicles. And they say smaller counties, according to officials of both associations, will be the most affected. Uh, Sonny Brassfield, executive director with the uh, Alabama County Commissions, Association of County Commissions of Alabama says anyone who says it won't cause financial decisions to be made is not telling the truth. You cannot say it won't impact the sheriffs financially. It will. Okay. So then money's going to have to come from the general fund. Here's my question. Why should the general public not be paying already uh, for these items? Um Money that, again, right now is being spent uh, or or, or gathered uh, on the backs of licensed gun owners. Why should those licensed gun owners be singled out to pay more than their fair share of a county's public safety budget? Again, we're talking about public safety, safety for all, right? And if everybody benefits from the county sheriff's department, 
then why are those who are exercising the right to bear arms having to pay for that privilege, quote unquote? And why would anybody think it would be a good idea to fund any portion of law enforcement squarely on the backs of one sector of the public? So, yeah, it, it is true. There may have to be a funding change to these sheriff's departments if the number of uh, license applications declines. But frankly, the sheriff should not be funded in any significant way through the licensing of a constitutional right to begin with. Jonathan Gray, who's a, a GOP strategist in Mobile, Alabama, says that uh, the permitless carry ever, by the way, has been underway since long before the phrase defund the police was ever a thing. Uh, he said uh, saying that it's the result of cutting out permit fees is not the same thing as an Illinois protester saying defund the police. It's way beyond the pale. It's a ridiculous premise, he says. No one from Alabama on the Republican side of the bench is considering defund the police in the context of the liberal majority around the country uh, is talking about. I think he's right about that. Angie Horn, a political consultant based in Montgomery, Alabama, also said that uh, critics of constitutional carry need to be very careful about how they describe the issue. She said that there are sheriffs in Alabama who back permitless carry. They're not overly concerned about the loss of permit fee revenues. Uh, Limestone, Coleman, Lawrence County sheriffs have uh, all taken different stances than the Sheriff's Association. And Angie Horn says it's just not cut and dry when it comes to law enforcement. No, it's not. And, and again, the idea that constitutional carry is uh, a defund the police measure is absurd. We don't know what the impact will be on sheriff's budgets. But I would argue again that these sheriff's departments should not be getting extra funds solely because one of their residents wants to exercise their right to bear arms in self-defense. That, to me, is awfully close to a poll tax. And uh, Alabama has a long and shameful history, as do many other states around the country, of, again, putting these fees in place in order to prevent people from exercising their constitutionally protected rights. So we'll keep our eyes on what's going on in Alabama. Again, this measure has cleared the state house. I would say that's the easier of the two uh, legislative chambers for constitutional carry. I think it is going to be a tougher fight in the state Senate. Uh, but I would encourage Alabama gun owners and second member supporters to contact their state senators. Let them know what you think about constitutional carry. And uh, we, again, will keep our eyes on this. We'll bring you any more details and developments as they happen. Right now, let's turn our attention to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, our recidivist report. We'll start there with a uh, story out of Chicago, CWB Chicago reporting. On the man, the prosecutors say burglarized three restaurants in Chicago a month after they dropped charges. <laughs> For burglarizing another restaurant. That's right. Um, this gentleman, uh, Larry Banks, already an 11 time uh, convicted felon. And back in January of 2019, he was on parole for burglary. He uh, was charged with burglarizing a uh, restaurant in the Edgewater neighborhood of Chicago. Uh, those charges were dropped last month, and in what appears to be a pretty remarkable bit of jailhouse lawyer on the part of Larry Banks, he represented himself uh, in that burglary case, and uh, apparently did a good enough job. The prosecutors ended up dropping those charges just last month, but he was back in court on Sunday, according to CWB Chicago, charged with burglarizing three more restaurants in the uh, uptown neighborhood. Uh, a uh, crime spree that started back on February 13th. Broken windows. Uh, police believe that uh, the burglar used bricks or his feet 
ended up stealing money from cash registers. Uh, and now Mr. Banks has been charged with three of the five burglaries that uh, police first documented in that alert. He is uh, suspected, according to CWB Chicago, of participating in more uh, than just those three. Uh, as CWB Chicago reports that uh, back in April of 2011, so more than 10 years ago, prosecutors charged Banks with burglarizing a business in Uptown. He took the case to a bench trial. A judge found him guilty, sentenced him to 14 years in prison based on his extensive criminal background. But he got out of prison after way less than 14 years. April of 2011, he was charged. By May of 2018, he's already out. Just had to serve half of his sentence. Seven months after he was released from prison, prosecutors charged Banks with burglaring, uh, burglarizing a restaurant called Little India. Uh, police said the fingerprints left inside the restaurant came back to Banks. Banks fought the case for nearly three years. Last month, January the 6th, prosecutors dropped the case. And again, CWB Chicago says uh, banks allegedly began burglarizing restaurants again within just a few weeks. So we'll see what happens with these most recent charges for uh, Larry Banks. But uh, maybe the 12th time, I guess this actually be the 13th time that he's been charged. Maybe the 13th time will be the uh, lucky occasion. That uh, helps him turn his life around. Kind of doubting it, but hey, I'm an eternal optimist. Uh, today's armed citizen story from uh, Kansas City, where uh, police say a homeowner shot and killed an armed intruder over the weekend. Uh, according to the Kansas City Star, this was Sunday morning. Officers uh, with the Kansas City Police Department dispatched about 930 Sunday morning to the uh, 3800 block of uh, Northwest Berry Road. As they were uh, on the way, they were told that there was a shooting nearby, just a couple of blocks away. Uh, at the scene of the shooting, according to the Kansas City Star, officers made contact with a resident of the home who said that an armed intruder had broken inside and that uh, he was forced to defend himself as a result. Resident of the apartment said he shot the intruder. Police said uh, that intruder was declared dead at the scene. Uh, at this point, they don't know whether the intruder and the homeowner knew one another. They're also working out uh, whether or not that initial disturbance call and the uh, shooting were connected. Police say the resident of the home is cooperating with detectives. Uh, at this point, looks to be a, a clear-cut case of self-defense. We will uh, keep our eyes on uh, any developments as they become available and uh, let you know of any updates if you need to hear about them. Uh, finally today, our good deed of the day, also from the, uh, well, a little bit further west than uh, Kansas City, but in the... Uh, uh, Jayhawk State of Kansas, in the right place, at the right time, willing able to do the right thing. Two Lawrence, Kansas police officers, who are actually not in Lawrence, Kansas, uh, they had uh, headed out to do a uh, follow-up uh, on an investigation in a uh, about an accident uh, in Lawrence. And so uh, last week, these two officers, Officer uh, Stephen Ramsdale, Officer uh, Alex Britton, were in Garnett, Kansas, when... They uh, noticed a fire inside the home of a, a woman that they were speaking to. I mean, this really was a case of being in the right place at the right time, willing able to do the right thing. There is a scene of the fire. Uh, Lawrence Police says that uh, uh, Officer Britton sprinted to the door when he saw the flames inside the home uh, to check to see if there was anybody trapped. Officer Ramsdale notified dispatch of the fire, asked them to notify uh, Anderson County officials to uh, send first responders. Uh, Alex Britton met at the front door by the woman who told him that her three-year-old child was still inside the burning home. 
Uh, the fire had engulfed about a quarter of the residents when Britain first tried to uh, get inside the home to rescue the child. I was to say that uh, Britain and the uh, child's mother both met with heavy smoke, extreme heat. Uh, they said that uh, Alex Britton had minor burns to his hand and face uh, from that initial entry attempt. Uh, and when he recognized that there was just no way they were getting to the front door, uh, he said uh, they said that uh, Britton and the mom then ran to the back of the home where they were joined by Officer Ramsdell, uh, and they were able to make entry. Uh, they were met with another wall of dark smoke, more heat. Uh, mother told officers the child's room was on the left of the hallway from the side entry door. They were crawling on their hands and knees. Officer uh, Ramsdell, Officer Britton, both uh, unable to see through the smoke, but Officer Ramsdell said he could hear the child crying. Uh, they actually had to break away again to get some fresh air, got back inside that home. By that time, about half of the structure is engulfed in flames. And Officer Alex Britton ran to the back of the home to try to find another way into the child's room. That's when the mom ran into the burning home through the side door with Officer Ramsdale running behind her. Uh, the child rescued by his mom. Ramsdale stood in the door using his flashlight to uh, signal and guide them back to the uh, to the safety outside of the home. I uh, mean, absolutely amazing. Uh, Officer Ramsdale, Officer Britton, mother and child all managed to get out of the home safely. Home fully engulfed, a, a total loss. All four taken to local hospital. Uh, treated for uh, minor burns and smoke inhalation. Uh, it's amazing that nobody was seriously injured. Again, the home is a uh, complete loss, but uh, this very well could have ended in, in the loss of life as well. Were it not for the uh, quick thinking and the uh, uh, actions of these officers from Lawrence, Kansas, who weren't even in the, they were not even in the town where they normally are serving on duty. Again, just thought they were going to be doing a quick interview, talking about a uh, accident there in Lawrence, Kansas, ended up saving uh, the life of a child, helping to save the life of a child along with that child's mother. So again, in the right place at the right time, wasn't able to do the right thing. We thank uh, Officer Ramsdale and Officer Britton very much for their very good deed. And that is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you, as always, for being a part of the program. Don't forget to check out BearingArms.com throughout the day for even more of the Second Amendment information that you need to know about. If you like what you see, you can always become a VIP subscriber as well. Just go to BearingArms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS, and you can get a significant savings on your VIP membership. Not only will you be supporting the independent pro-Second Amendment journalism we do at Bearing Arms, but you will, in exchange, get free, well, not free, but exclusive commentary, news stories, analysis you won't find anywhere else. It is our way of saying thank you for your support. It really does mean a lot to us, and uh, we thank you very much. Have a great rest of your Monday. We will see you back here tomorrow with uh, more of the crazy world we're living in. We'll try to cover what you need to know about when it comes to uh, staying safe and keeping your rights secure. Until then, be well. Be safe. Be free.